Chapter 22, Wednesday, July 10th to, through Monday, July 15th, 1776. But as it is, we have the wolf by the ear, and we can neither, neither hold him nor safely let him go. Justice is in one scale and self-preservation in the other. That's, from, that's by Thomas Jefferson in writing about slavery. When I woke, the barrel of a gun was stuck up underneath my chin. Men voices shouted, Boots stomped. A rain of hands grabbed at me. Countless bodies, smelly breath, unwashed feet. My head felt cracked in three pieces. A woman shrieked and shrieked. She was a crow shattering the air with her harsh calls. I moved, not by my own devices. My toes dragged the dirt. They tried to pull my arms from my body, ripping the arms off a cloth doll. They dragged me from one place to a second place. More shouts, more shrieks and whistles and calls, rumbling thunder voices. They dragged me from the second place to the third place, every voice sowing the wind, all things summoning the whirlwind that would sweep us all away to drown in the deepest sea. My thoughts would not would not line up like good soldiers. They swarmed a field and fled, chasing the blood that dripped from my head and stained my shift. My eyes were swolled up hard to see through. Someone had stolen a tooth or two. They tied my hands together with prickly rope. They tied the rope to the back of a cart. They tied a horse to the front of the cart. The horse lifted one tired hoof after another and dragged the cart, and the cart dragged me up the broad street where people smiled and laughed and pointed. My eyes cast down. The cobblestones mocked, too. I tried to figure the who's and the why's of the matter, but my own name escaped me, and I knew only the pain in my head and the iron taste of lost teeth. My remembery broke into bits when they beat my head. They took me to the dungeon under City Hall to await my trial. The jailer locked me in a cell with a toothless madwoman who huddled in the corner and spat at me. She pulled the hairs from her head and dropped them to the mud. She was near bald. At sunset, the jailer came back with a cup of water and a piece of foul pork half the size of my hand. Dirty men in the other cells fought each other all night long. On the second day, we heard shouts and screams from the world above us. Then came the boom and the roar of cannons, followed by the crack at crack of musket fire and the sounds of hundreds of boots shaking the earth. Some prisoners hollered in panic and tried to pull their chains from the stone walls. <clears throat> the madwoman in my cell laughed and laughed, slapping her skirts. At last the noise above ceased. The jailers threw buckets of cold water on the men who had lost their senses in fear. They said for us to shut our gobs. The British had sailed their way, their war ships up the North River and had fired on the town, but now all danger was past. Anyone who continued to blubber would feel the lash. I said not a word. The second night was same as the first, filled with moans and muttering, scratching and the sound of teeth and claw. It rained. Water pooled on the floor and soaked through my shoes. Rats wandered in and out of the cells, squeezing their fat bottoms through the bars. I dared not sleep for fear they would bite me. The mad woman and the rats stayed in the corner, red eyes waiting for me all night long. On the third morning, the jailer unlocked my cell and motioned for me to follow him. The madwoman laughed again. He took me up the stairs to the courtroom. It was as big as the inside of a church, with the same white walls and dark wood. The windows were of clear glass, grimy with neglect. They stood me behind a rail, kept my hands tied. I shook with fever and hunger. Oys, 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 called a man in the shadows. He said more, but his words slurred together. A tall man, wearing black robes and a long wig, sat at a table that was raised on a platform. He was a judge. This was a court. My head was broke and my sister was stolen and I was lost. The woman with the crow voice, <clears throat> her that threw the picture at me, stood up. 
I raised my head to look at her. Someone poked a stick in my ribs hard and hissed at me. I lowered my eyes. Voices buzzed and blurred into words I did not understand. Lockton. I finally remembered. Lockton. Madam Lockton. Her that bought us. Her that stole Ruth away. I kept my head down but lifted my eyes though they pained me. The pain was good. It drew back the curtains of my mind and forced me to pay attention. Madam was pretending to cry into her lace handkerchief. And I am but a poor woman, alone, my husband having fled for reasons I cannot comprehend. I plead with your honor to assist me in the correct punishment of this girl. The judge frowned and asked questions of two officers who stood near Madam. I wanted to ask about Ruth and where the blood on my shift came from and who broke my teeth. But I was the only person in the room whose hands were tied, so I kept silent. Questions were asked of the incident. Lies were given as answers. Finally, the judge said, Where is the housekeeper who saw this crime, Mrs. Lockton? Becky is indisposed, sir, Madam answered. She suffers the egg. Are there no other witnesses to the events you describe? A stranger stood up in the back of the room. I was passing in the street, Your Honor, he said. I heard the commotion, saw the girl fleeing, and observed the destruction myself. There are several other people of standing willing to testify, Your Honor, Madam added. Her tears had mysteriously vanished. The judge used the end of his quill to scratch at an itch under his wig. It is clear that the slave has violated the person of her master, destroyed valuable property, and attempted to run away, all contrary to the laws of our colony. State, your honor, reminded the lawyer. We are a state now, independence and all that. The judge rolled his eyes. Colony, state, who knows what we, we will be next? He sighed deeply. No matter. This girl's crimes of insolence, property destruction, and running away from her rightful owner are not devious enough to warrant a sentence of death. Do you have any wishes as to the punishment that I should consider, Mrs. Lockton? Madam sighed deeply, like my behavior caused her great sadness. Oh, she is a willful girl, Your Honor, with numerous character defects. I believe a permanent reminder of this day might prove the appropriate remedy. Her words stuck in the air like flies caught in a spider's web. I could make no sense of them. I could make no sense of anything. The judge scratched his wig with his, with fresh vigor. You wanted her branded then? Twenty strokes of the lash would be more in keeping with her crimes. We are now led by men for Virginia, I am told, she said. Land of my birth. I assure your honor that in Virginia we do not tolerate the rebellion of slaves. The judge nodded. Once kindled, rebellion can spread like wildfire. wildfire. Do you want your husband's initials used? Madam shot a sideways glance at me. I prefer the girl branded with the letter I for insolence. It will alert people to her tendencies and serve as a reminder of her weakness. The judge picked up his gravel. Gavel, sorry. So be it. Sal Lockton, it is the order of this court that you be branded on your right cheek with the letter of I in punishment for your crimes against your lady mistress. Crack. The gavel cracked on the block of wood. Next case. Chapter 23. Monday, July 15th, 1776. I also have been whipped many a time on my naked skin, and sometimes till the blood has run down over my waistband. But the greatest grief I then had was to see them whip my mother and to hear her on her knees begging for mercy. Reverend David George on his childhood as a slave. A man pulled me by my rope outside the courtyard. After two days in the dungeons, the noonday sun scalded my eyes. 
I stumbled but did not fall. The man led me to the stocks and untied my hands and pointed. I laid my head and hands in the crescents carved into the wood. He lowered the top board, pinning me in place, and secured the two pieces together with a large padlock. A brazier filled with hot coals set on the ground a few lengths in, in front of me. A second man stuck two branding irons into the metal basket to heat them up. My knees turned to water. I sagged against the wood. Stand up, girl, or you'll choke yourself, growled the man, locked into the stocks to my left. I couldn't turn my head enough to see him, but his voice was rough and scarred. Whatever you do, don't scream, he continued. That's what they want to hear. I did not answer him, but forced my knees to hold me up. The wood locked around my neck was rough and splintering. My hands were soon without sensation. My neck and arms pricked a hundredfold of by pitchforks. Two men were housed in the iron cage next to City Hall. One lay on the ground asleep or dead. The second, his skin burned by the sun and peeling and missing his left ear, stared back at me blankly. A court official, his coat covered with yellow dust, arrived with a man who wore a leather apron. He set to work pumping a hand bellows to increase the heat under the branding irons. The bellows wheezed in and out while the sun rose higher in the sky. It had rained in the night. The mud puddles scattered around the yard gave off steam like cauldrons coming to boil. Sweat rolled off my face and fell in great drops to the dirt below. The wind shifted and blew the smoke from the brazier into our faces. I held my breath. In betwixt me and the brazier, dandelions grew in the mud. The man in the dusty coat pulled one of the branding irons out of the fire. He brought it close to his face and spit on it. The iron sizzled. My companion coughed and cursed the court officials and the judge who had sentenced him. A crowd had gathered a few lengths on either side of the brazier, mostly soldiers and tradesmen, with a few women, one carrying a babe in her arms. I thought I saw a boy in a red hat, but when I blinked, he was gone. Men at the front of the crowd called us names and jeered. The sunburned man in the cage yelled back, and soon the courtyard was filled with shouts and filthy language, the kinds of words my mother never wanted me to say or hear. I fought against tears and lost. They fell to the dust in big drops, too. If I cried a river, maybe I could swim away or slip under the water to freedom. The man in the dusty coat said something to the man in the leather apron. I could not hear him because of the noise of the crowd and the crackling coals and the beat of my heart in my ears. The men walked toward me. The dandelions were lemon yellow with bright green leaves and thick stalks pointing at the sky. At home in Rhode Island, the corn was tall as Ruth now. The spring lambs would be too heavy to pick up. The new goat, he'd be running headfirst into every fence post. This was a good day to bleach the wool. The man with the leather apron pinned my head against the wood. He stank of charcoal. I tried to pull away, but my hands and head were locked fast. The splinters chewed on me. Dandelions grew in the mud. The glowing iron streaked in front of my face like a comet. The crowd roared. The man pushed the hot metal against my cheek. It hissed and bubbled. Smoke curled under my nose. They cooked me. The man stepped back and pulled the iron away. The fire on my face burned on and on, deep through my flesh, searing my soul. Stars exploded out the top of my head, and all my words and all my memories followed them up to the sun, burning to ash that floated back and settled in the mud. A few people at the edge of the crowd had fallen silent. They walked away with their heads down. My mama and papa appeared from the shadows. They flew to me and wrapped their arms around me and cooled my face with their ghost tears. Night crept into my soul.